0: This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanshul. Almost three decades ago, Rosa DeLauro first ran for Congress, and she's won every election since in Connecticut's 3rd District. And while the Democratic Party still stands for progressive issues like economic and social equality and health care for all, its members in the U.S. House don't always agree on the way to achieve that for all Americans, especially since the 2018 elections. Today, where we live, we sit down with Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro to talk about her priorities and the issues she believes matter most to her constituents are you one of them her congressional district covers all of new haven county also stratford and the city of middletown what questions do you have for her we want you to join the conversation this hour uh, the number is 888720wmpr that's 888 Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Representative DeLauro sitting across from me here at our studio at Gateway Community College in New Haven. Uh, Congresswoman, it's so nice to sit down with you today.
1: Well, it's wonderful to be with you. I'm looking forward to the
0: conversation and to the questions. Uh, So there's a lot to cover so let's just get right into it. Let's talk about NAFTA. You're one of the Mm -hmm. lawmakers uh, negotiating Mm -hmm. with the White House on an agreement to replace NAFTA. Mm -hmm. Still needs congressional Mm -hmm. approval. Uh, I understand you did not uh, originally support the initial NAFTA. So, what were your concerns back then, and how are you working those into your negotiations today?
1: Well, thanks very, very much because, uh, uh, y- you know, this is well, you know, you talked about three decades, so I've been in the Congress uh, for a while, but uh, I went to the Congress uh, after having, uh, you know, studied the issue on the, uh, the NAFTA, the North America Free Trade Agreement, and uh, concluded that uh, uh, it was going to. Uh, Just allow for the outsourcing of our jobs, uh, mainly to Mexico, and that it would uh, put uh, American workers at a disadvantage and Connecticut workers. And I voted against it and spoke out against it. It was one of the leaders in in, uh, helping to try to defeat it. We were unsuccessful at doing that, and I don't take any pride in saying this, uh, but in fact, we lost almost a million jobs as a result of the NAFTA agreement. About a hundred thousand in our state of Connecticut. So that being said, with the opportunity to look at how we uh, might renegotiate NAFTA, I've been very, very much involved in that effort, including being asked by the Speaker of the House, um, uh, Speaker Pelosi to sit on a nine-member um, uh, working group uh, to engage in, in the negotiations with the the administration. So, uh, fundamentally, there are four areas uh, which we focused our attention on, um that uh, we believe need uh, to be addressed and uh, changed uh, in in some fundamental ways, and that in fact it ought to be part of the uh, of the agreement itself and not in any side agreements or uh, those are uh, labor standards to outline what are labor standards for working uh, Americans and what is going to. Uh, allow them to succeed and to have economic security. Um, the enforcement of those standards. In fact, it, you can put a whole lot of wonderful ideas or principles on a piece of paper, but unless you have an enforcement mechanism, which the current renegotiated NAFTA does not have, mm-hmm. that we have to, uh, uh, we re- really have to have an enforcement me- mechanism. <laughs> uh, I want to mention the issue of. Uh, pharmaceutical drugs, because this is a very, very, very big uh, issue. The public cares deeply about lowering the cost of prescription drugs. And what this agreement does is provide a gift uh, to the pharmaceutical industry. How does it do that? It allows them to have a 10-year patent exclusivity on biologic drugs. They're the most expensive drugs. They're the ones today where you can get treatment for cancer and other illnesses, which cost $100,000, $150,000 a year. Ten-year patent exclusivity locks in those prices. It also says that we're going to expand the definition of these drugs, thereby uh, driving prices of uh, of prescription drugs uh, here as well as uh, overseas. Once this goes into effect, we have no recourse in order to uh, address that with our own laws. So we've got labor standards, enforcement of those standards, environmental standards, and uh, the issue of prescription drugs.
0: Thank you for fitting that all in, uh, Congresswoman. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting a tweet from Mara. Uh, she writes, Chairman Neal, who represents Springfield, is yes. also mm-hmm. on the working group. Uh, uh, she and Larson have served uh, on, have on have closed the gap on two or four issues. She wants to know which ones, and is there anything a new NAFTA could do to stop outsourcing to Mexico?
1: Well, the, the fact is, at first I would just say is, We haven't closed the door on any issue yet. We just received back the information from the USTR. Uh, It's going; it's being reviewed, and we will know better of what they're suggesting. So, nothing has been closed yet. Just let me make that uh, a a, a statement. Uh, So, uh, you know, uh, what was the second part of your question? Uh, She
0: wants to know uh, anything a new NAFTA could do to stop outsourcing. Oh, sure,
1: absolutely. Which is why what we're trying to do is to enforce labor standards not only here but in Mexico. Mexico just initiated labor uh, a reform program because Mexicans are being paid like a dollar fifty, two dollars an hour, which in fact drives our own businesses, which happen to take their uh, uh, jobs uh, to to uh, to Mexico. So if we can't deal with enforced standards. In Mexico, we are going to continue to put uh, our workers at grave risk.
0: Uh, Vice President Pence has been traveling around trying to get uh, more Democratic support for this new NAFTA, hoping to get an agreement by the end of the year. I mean, how close are you? Is this something that you think can be figured out? Look, it's not a question of a
1: timeline. The issue is if we have addressed these issues, if we've made changes, if we've been responsive to the requests, then we will move forward then we will move forward you know the issue has been we want to get to yes some people want to characterize and i I think the vice president uh does this and there are others who say you know there's some of us who will never get to yes well that is untrue Uh, the fact is is we've been working very hard very constructively with the u.s uh, uh, trade representative to come to a place where we can see some agreement but i will tell you this If this renegotiated NAFTA is nothing more than throwing in a little bit here and a little bit there, does it make fundamental changes which put American workers and workers at the center? Of the benefits that we derive out of trade, and which we should have trade, we should derive benefits for for our country, but for our workers in particular.
0: Uh, I want to, before we move on uh, from NAFTA, you tried visiting an American factory in Mexico. You were turned uh, away. So tell us about oh that God, visit. Absolutely. And what do we know about standards? Well,
1: it was a wonderful visit, uh, and we went down. Uh, there were a, a group of us, four of us from the working committee, uh, were, were on, on the trip. We had asked the Goodyear company. Goodyear is an American firm with a subsidiary in Mexico. And quite frankly, they have engaged uh, in uh, uh, unfair labor practices uh, where there were some Mexican workers who tried to uh, make changes there and get a, a, a higher pay, etc. Uh, and uh, they were promised that, bec- that, that, that their labor action would not put them in jeopardy. Well, lo and behold, Goodyear uh, fired 57 of these workers. We tried to get in. Uh, We were denied access. We went to the plant. Uh, It was really very interesting and and a little bit humorous. Uh, They had all these people out front, you know, at the gate and telling us that we couldn't get in and why we couldn't get in, uh, etc. Subsequently, we've written to Goodyear and uh, hoping that we can sit down with them. It is an American company. We are members of Congress. We have the right to go into that plant and get a look at what the conditions are and uh, what are are they doing in terms of protecting workers and providing them with adequate pay.
0: You're hearing Congresswoman Rosa DeLara here on Where We Live as we broadcast from New Haven at Gateway Community College. Uh, We're talking with her about her district, the 3rd District. If you're one of her constituents, you can join our conversation. You can ask her a question at 888-720-9677 and as always find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live Uh, Judy's calling from Middletown Judy go ahead Judy are you there well, I can't hear Judy, so hoping to to get her uh, her call in uh, when we can uh, actually hear her uh, level. But let's get into what she's actually, I can see that she want to talk about health care. Let's talk about health care. That was a big sure. issue last night during the Democratic uh, presidential debate. Uh, candidates, uh, we know uh, Senator Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, they have issues with uh, um, taking private insurance completely out of the picture. Uh, there's also uh, positions from Vice President uh, Biden, he wants to continue to build on a Affordable uh, the Affordable Care Act. Uh, where do you stand sure. on how mm-hmm. health care needs to be reformed in this country? Mm-hmm.
1: First of all, health care is a very, very big issue. It continues to be a big issue, and that is because of cost. And accessibility, and people have the high premiums, high deductibles, and, and high cost of, high cost of prescription drugs, and and people cannot uh, afford it, uh, and uh, they can't afford the medications that they need in order to survive. So, I was a strong proponent. Uh, still am a strong proponent of the Affordable uh, Care Act um and uh, help to lead the fight to get it passed uh right now uh i believe we have to move forward i have introduced legislation it's called medicare for america um and i it, it provides us a path uh, to universal uh care, which i think is uh which is where we need to go uh now and what it does is it says yes let's uh uh, 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 uh build on Medicare, include Medicaid, include a CHIP program, but recognizing that we've got about 165 million people in this country who get their insurance uh, through em- employer-sponsored insurance. I'm not going to abandon those folks and overnight tell them that, you know, this is, you, you know, we're not making uh, th- this change, uh, that you can uh, uh, opt to keep your employer-sponsored insurance. You could opt to go into Medicare. Uh, for America. Your employer uh, could opt to put uh, employees into Medicare for America, uh, and uh, but would have to pay eight percent of the payroll into the fund in order to provide for it. What it does, it, it is a path to universal care. It has uh, it, uh, it auto enrolls people uh, from uh, from birth. There are no deductibles. The premiums are on a sliding scale. It addresses the issue of prescription drugs and bringing down um, those costs, uh, uh, and has a extreme robust benefits uh, package as well. And it looks to how it can be paid for uh, as well. So I think of what is exciting about this moment is not being in an adversarial position about one position or another, but that we are talking in the United States about moving toward universal health care. And that needs to have a robust debate and discussion. I, for one, uh, at the moment, it's, it's talking about Uh, Yes, building on Medicare, uh, uh, but also uh, maintaining an employer-sponsored insurance program.
0: We're going to try Judy again. Judy's calling from Middletown. Judy, are you there? Oh, it doesn't look like we can hear Judy. Judy, I'll give you one more try. Judy, are you there? Oh, there you go. Hi, Judy. (laughs) Wonderful. Go ahead with your question. Hi. Um hi, Congress woman uh Deloro.
1: My name I is have... Rosa. Go just uh, you know go for <laughs> hey, it. Hey Rosa. Hi. <laughs> hi Lucy.
0: Um uh-huh. I have a quick question about health care. I'm mm. one of those underinsured people mm. and I am really wondering where are the, the doctors' voices in this and the AMA's voices in the healthcare. I don't hear from them at all. In fact, what I do see is a lot of these big affiliate Businesses like pro health physicians popping up, and then the doctors make contracts with them, and then they start putting barriers to health, to healthcare, and and deciding you know what like a wellness visit what it could yeah. um, provide and what it can't provide. And but the doctors just every time I go to the doctors, I ask them. They say, oh yeah, it's bad, but they either don't care or they don't have a voice.
1: I, I just I don't get that part. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you heard what I just said a moment ago. I, I think we need to move in the direction of, as I say, u- universal. Uh, uh, health care with uh, you know a combination of of uh, you know Medicare Medicaid uh, uh, the 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 CHIP program uh, enrolling people uh, from birth uh, providing a a substantial package of benefits for people and no surprise billing of uh, for uh, for folks no two tiered levels of, uh, of 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 of, of health care uh, and of making sure that. Uh, uh, we are looking at people who have disabilities. It's very strong on including disabilities and long-term care, uh, uh, and uh, uh, bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. I think that's the direction that we need to go in, and we need to have that debate. Uh, and uh, you know, I am hopeful uh, that we will have uh, you know doctors' voices uh, in this, uh, you know, in this de- the debate and in the discussion. Uh, it took me two years uh, to put together this. Uh, th- this piece of legislation, of which we've gotten tremendous support. Actually, he used to talk about it, but one of the uh, candidates for the presidential election, Beto O'Rourke, uh, talks about Medicare for America, uh, which was introduced by myself and my colleague Jan Schakowsky. Everybody needs to be at the table. That includes the doctors, the hospitals, but we have to have a, 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 a process in place that doesn't create the problems that have exist now that people cannot afford health insurance. They can't afford the deductibles, and therefore, they're going without.
0: All of this uh, sounds great, but in terms of actually making progress, uh, getting past the insurance mm-hmm. lobby, you uh, we know, where they are thinking about their profits. I mean, I'm just tr- trying to figure out when can we get past this gridlock? What do you think it needs to happen? Well,
1: I think, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think we get caught up in, in our own conversations here everybody is talking about how we move to universal care whether it is as people have talked about medicare for all my medicare for america a buy-in allowing people to uh, uh buy into medicare having a public option we try to do that in the state of connecticut in this past legislative session we are getting uh, to a point at which uh, uh, th- 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 it's go- it, it will move forward. What we need, you have to set the table on this. This is not going to happen without a, a presidential, uh, 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 direction, because this comes from the top down, like the Affordable Care Act did. And you are listening to Democratic candidates who are talking very substantially about how we do achieve affordable health care for everyone in this country, and not excluding anyone.
0: Um, How do you reconcile? There are uh, some Democrats in the House, uh, uh, you're familiar with uh, the squad, uh, where they see, you know, your ideas being more moderate, and they want to make sure that Health care for all uh, really means uh, cutting back on all private insurance. Why not but that plan? There are different iterations of moving forward, and I,
1: I appreciate my colleagues, and I welcome them. They're smart. They're energetic. They have great ideas. And we ought to, again, this is not a time to be adversarial. The stakes are too high for the American people. We need to understand that what is going to be the best direction for people to get everyone to have health care because if everyone is covered, you drive down the costs. If you talk about prescription drugs and bringing those costs down, if you include the cost of long-term care, people with disabilities, uh, and that we need to uh, we, we need to address uh, the, those concerns in order to have a health care system. Um, that uh, really meets the needs of the public today.
0: You can join our conversation with Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, 888-720-9677. Uh, that's 888 720 wmpr or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, speaking of the squad, another issue uh, that they're pushing for that you um, um, have to, said that may not be the right direction, and that is a, a tweet from Max who writes, Congresswoman Jim uh, Congressman Jim Himes is the only member of Connecticut's yeah. House mm-hmm. delegation to officially come out in support of impeaching the president. Will you join your colleague and call for the president to be impeached?
1: I will wait to see what the investigations continue to turn up. I just might uh, say that um, I, I have no illusions about the transgressions of this president. Uh, and the implications of the Russian interference, uh, the uh, all of the pieces of this that are on the table, whether it's violation of the emoluments uh, clause. But I think that that's why we have a Judiciary Committee. Those investigations are underway. We will see where they would lead. In the meantime, the issues that I hear about and that people care about is... Healthcare, prescription drugs, how to deal with student loans, how do we, in fact, uh, the biggest economic issue we have today are people in jobs uh, that do not pay them enough to meet the rising costs of whether those are healthcare, education, child care, etc. I want to focus on those issues. We are people who can walk and chew gum at the same time. The investigations are underway uh, and that will go where it may and nothing is off the table. But I for one want to respond to the issues that my constituents ask me about. All of the time. And that's where I will focus my time and attention uh, in the short term. In the longer term, we will see where it goes. I have no fear of where it would go. But let us uh, today, people don't even know what bills have been passed in the House of Representatives. The media is consumed with the impeachment issue? It's an
0: important issue. Is it just the issue. media, though? I mean, well, you don't think that there are Democrats in the state of Connecticut that are your constituents? Oh yeah, that no, see it's it not. But I, I think,
1: yeah, I think that there. But I think that that's not the only thing they care about. But quite frankly, you cannot talk about issues that were covered on the national press. Thank God for the debates. In some way, we have listened to all kinds of of of, uh, of issues that 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 come up. I, I don't know if people know that in terms of equal pay for equal work that the House of Representatives passed that bill Mm -hmm. that says men and women in the same job deserve the same pay or that we passed a bill that said we need to have background checks or that I passed an appropriations bill that for the first time in 20 years says let's look at gun violence research I put 50 million dollars into the appropriations bill to look at these issues of gun violence the public needs to know what is going on. At the same time, they need to uh, understand where we come from on the issue of impeachment.
0: You're hearing Congresswoman Rosa Dillard here on Where We Live. We're going to continue our discussion uh, with uh, Congresswoman Delar. You can join us too. the number 888-720-9677, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpithanchel. My guest is Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro. She's represented Connecticut's 3rd Congressional District for 28 years. Are you one of her constituents? What questions do you have for her? The number 888-720-9677 or 888-720-9677. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Before the break, Congresswoman, you mentioned that uh, many Americans don't know what bills are being passed in congress because uh there is such a fervor around uh, whether or not uh congress will move to impeach the president especially after uh what uh special counsel Mueller has uncovered in his investigation uh but i'm just curious uh, you know part of why uh, there are people that are pushing to see uh their lawmakers like yourself uh, uh support impeachment is because they're very concerned about the direction the country is moving uh, looking at the rollbacks of the Trump administration of of, uh, maybe uh, initiatives and laws that President Obama passed. Uh, We can just look at immigration and uh, and the many different policies that are being rolled out by President Trump. And so I'm just curious, you know, what is the climate in D.C.? It sounds like you're frustrated that there is work being done, uh, but it's it's all being overshadowed because of this uh, feeling that some believe the president should not be in office based on that investigation.
1: Well, the president doesn't have to be in office if we vote the way we should vote in November of, uh, of 2020. The process is we're going to vote him out of office. He shouldn't be there. He is rolling back all of the gains that we have made uh, over over the years, and and our, you know I believe that you know we are fighting for the soul of our country, uh, and that's what these elections you know are all about. Keep in mind that the House could move on impeachment; the Senate is never going to get there. So you will have a, a an individual uh, who we can vote out of office. View himself, and uh, and maybe his 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 uh, constituents and uh, his supporters view him as a martyr to a cause. I want to vote him out of office, and I will do everything that I can over the next several months to win back the United States Senate, to continue to have the majority in the House, and to turn him out of the White House. He doesn't Mm -hmm. deserve to be there. And if uh, President Trump is reelected in 2020, what then? I don't believe he will be. He will not be reelected in 2020. I might just add to you that I'm interested in some of the calls where people have I, it's one of the first times that people have called Rosa DeLauro a moderate. So, I mean, <laughs> this is really very uh, pretty One of the reasons we definitely
0: wanted to speak so, to you today. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So. Because you, you mm-hmm. see that your constituents, uh, again, are, are more concerned about uh, what's happening in their every day and not mm-hmm. the, the bickering in Washington.
1: Well, they're concerned about the bickering in the in Washington because they want us to get things done and they're absolutely right about that what's happened to a number of the bills because someone could ask this question and they would be absolutely right we're passing legislation uh, in the the House um, $15 minimum wage as I said paycheck fairness background checks uh, the Equality Act all these things but they are being stopped in the Senate by Mitch McConnell who self-describes as the grim reaper, which is pretty extraordinary, but will not move on any of the legislation. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't go forward and make the fight on these issues, because I think the public needs to know what is happening. And that I view as part of my job is to let people know what is going on and what are the issues
0: that I'm fighting for. Uh, John's calling from Milford. John, go ahead. You're on where we live.
2: Yes. Hi. Um, Rosa, thank you for your service. And uh, you're our champion here in Connecticut.
1: Thank you. Um, Thank
2: you. um, I was wondering why the Democrats are not saying anything about the voter suppression and the the stealing of a Supreme Court judge from the Democrats and uh, uh, so on and so forth. It feels like a Republican coup to me because uh, Hillary Clinton had 300 or 3 million more votes in this country than uh, Trump did. And she lost the election because of our Electoral College, which is supposed to be smarter than the, the voters uh, and vote uh, for the person that belongs there. And all the Republicans before Trump was nominated said that he wasn't fit to be president. So what's going on here? Um, thank
0: you, John. I, Let's have Congressman uh, Delaro answer that question.
1: First of all, John, thank you so much. And uh, Milford is a special place for me. I, I'm a a proud graduate of the Academy of Our Lady of Mercy, Laurelton Hall in Milford, and so uh, it's wonderful, and I thank you for your kind words. Um, one of the points I made earlier was that so much of what is happening, uh, in the, uh, particularly in the House of Representatives, is not um, moving, uh, is not in the public domain. Uh, be, because uh, other issues uh, are being are being discussed. The very fact of the matter is, you are so right about about voter uh, s- uh, suppression. Uh, but in fact, there is a a a, a, a very uh, energetic and aggressive effort uh, to uh, lo- look into this to do something about it to preclude uh what happened uh in in places even on on tribal lands with native americans uh in georgia and other places uh and in, in fact what is happening was speaking up loudly on the issue of uh of russia uh, uh hacking into our electoral system with the concern of uh what could happen in upcoming elections in fact we even have appropriated money for for investigations into that effort and quite frankly the administration and my Republican colleagues not that money hasn't been used yet to uh, uh, you know to deal uh, with these uh, uh, w- 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 with these issues so there are attempts should there be more aggressive absolutely we cannot allow you know the vote is sacred it really is so many people have fought and died to be able to vote uh, in our country. And we cannot let any group of folks deny people the
2: right to vote.
0: Tom's calling from Manchester. Tom, you're on where we live. Yes. Go ahead with your
2: question. Yeah, yes, uh, good morning, uh, Representative Laurel. Uh, uh, questions that haven't um, been answered had to do with um, homelessness, poverty, and affordability. And as an African-American, uh, I feel, you know, regardless of uh, race, These are bread-and-butter issues that need to be looked at with hunger, Mm -hmm. because people are still um, suffering. And my second point is dealing with uh, racist domestic uh, violence, now that we're calling it as it is, not just with Islamic violence, but Ku Klux Klan and other hate groups, and Mm -hmm. even with the president, what he's off his mouth as uh I find it objectionable. We shouldn't be going back to nineteen fifty nine, but this is twenty nineteen. We should be pulling together as all Americans and mm-hmm. that uh, one race should not be over the other or for gender for that matter and uh I'm a product of the civil rights uh in a way going through college and I've lived Dr. King's assassination so I'm a beneficiary of it and uh I'm not gonna, you know, be subservient to uh you know uh, anyone and I think um for, you know, decent money whites together we need to pull together and saying that uh the world doesn't belong to one race but uh, to all of us.
0: Well, thank this you, Tom. I want to have uh, Congresswoman Delara um ask uh, answer your question about homelessness and poverty. People are still struggling.
1: Tom, you're very your comments are very very poignant and uh, uh, these are fundamental issues. These are the fundamental values of this of of of, of this country where you know look i'm a product of the civil rights uh, you know era as well and you know and, and you think about it what we that we did pass civil rights legislation in this country we've passed legislation that tries to address these issues and i i would just say this and i want to talk about homelessness and, and poverty but for a second is that we i have the privilege and and i'm blessed in the job that i have My role is to reach out, to engage with people, with all people. I have a responsibility as a leader. I have a responsibility in my conversation with others. And I will just say flat out that we have a president who divides a country, pits one group against another, spews rhetoric that creates hate, That's not what this country is about. And we have tried to fight back and not create an environment where it's okay to denigrate people and call people names. That being said, that's why I'm going to fight as hard as I can to elect a democratic president in 2020. That being said, poverty and homelessness and you also mentioned Tom snap if you know anything about me I sit on this the committee that oversees all of the nutrition programs I have been one of the strongest voices for the uh, the food stamp program in my congressional district the 3rd district 1 out of 7 people are food insecure that means they do not know where their next meal is coming from that's an abomination homelessness poverty. And when you look at people who want to destroy the social safety net that both Democrats and Republicans have built up over the years that said yes when it comes to unemployment benefits we need to do something about that. When we have homelessness we need to take a look at where our housing is and what kinds of opportunities are we going to give to people to have a decent home. We passed a night in 1949 a housing bill that said everybody should have a decent home. And I might add, in terms of Democrats and Republicans, it was Jacob Javits, a Republican from New York, who wrote that bill. So in this country, and I wrote a book about three years ago that was the least among us, waging the battle for the vulnerable. And what I found in the creation of a social safety net, and that had to do with homelessness, with poverty, with a SNAP program, with a child tax credit program, and other areas, Democrats and Republicans came together to overcome these challenges to help to make a difference in the lives of people today. That with technology and with innovation and with entrepreneurship, which is a at the basis of our country, that we have an obligation and a responsibility, a moral responsibility, to make sure that we do not leave people behind. That's where I focus my time and attention.
0: Congresswoman, you mentioned SNAP, uh, the Trump administration, attempting to change the rules for eligibility. How would that impact your district specifically? What do we know about in terms of income Uh, eligibility? It will be, you know,
1: uh, first of all, the number of children who will be jettisoned from a school lunch a, a program of, of hundreds of thousands of, of, of youngsters uh, in, uh, in in our state. Just it it really is unspeakable that we would that we would have an administration uh, that would take food out of the mouths of children and families. The people who are on the food stamp program, the SNAP program are those who are disabled, seniors, and children. That's the bulk of the people who are on the food stamp program. It would have a unbelievable detrimental effect in my district, but in our state. Uh, we have great groups like End Hunger Connecticut, who I work with, and we are fighting back. Uh, to make sure, you know, they could not get what they where they wanted to go through mm-hmm. the farm bill that was passed. So now that they have, the administration has come around in another direction, but we are going to fight back and we're not going to let them do it. Uh,
0: before we had to break, you know, the, uh, there is uh, rhetoric that there is fraud I- involved. Oh. Uh, what do we know? Uh, evidence at all that there is fraud from people that are Mm -hmm. on SNAP? Mm -hmm. The lowest level
1: of fraud in any program is in the food stamp program. Let's take a look. I I would just move to uh, other. We we provide agricultural subsidies, not to our small farmers in Connecticut that we have, but big agribusiness. We provide subsidies for the oil and gas industry uh, where there are no, with with regard to to the nutrition programs, there are income thresholds. There are asset thre- thresholds that you can't go beyond so that you're not eligible for the program if you don't meet these standards. With some of the other uh, crop subsidy programs that we provide to the middle of this country with big agribusiness, you do not have any income thresholds. You do not have uh, any asset thresholds. We have uh, 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 26 people in the United States today, and we can't find out who they are, who get over a million Dollars in a subsidy for the crop insurance program, and they don't have to follow any standards or requirements or regulations. It's wrong. The system has been rigged against middle-income, low-income, middle-class people in this country. And the beneficiaries of so many of these subsidies are the people who are at the top. That has to change.
0: Congresswoman Rosa DeLara here on Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalvathanchel. You can join our conversation, 888-720-9677. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll continue our conversation uh, in just a little bit. This is where we live from Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy We're broadcasting from our New Haven studios at Gateway Community College. My guest today, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro. Uh, She's been representing the 3rd District here in Connecticut for 28 years. That's a long time. Uh, Do you think that you'll be stepping aside anytime soon to let someone new come up uh, to represent the 3rd District? Well,
1: I'll let the 3rd District uh, folks make that determination. I love what I do. I'm blessed with what I would do. I'm the the daughter of an immigrant family could only dare dream that their daughter would serve in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, I am always, um, humbled, um, b- by, y- you know, the, the opportunity that they have and that the people of the third congressional district give me. And I've been fortunate. And then over the years, they have, uh, supported me and continue to do so, uh, with increasing, uh, uh margins. And I hope they will continue to do that and to believe that, my view of my job is that I am their advocate and I am there to fight for them and for their families and I will, uh, uh, you know, continue to do that. I think they also know about me that I'm not afraid uh, to stand up. I'm not afraid uh, to take on um, uh, uh, those uh, special interests that, uh, in, in my view, uh, have rigged the system against uh, 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 middle class families and working families today.
0: So when 2020 <laughs> comes, you'd hope to seek re-election? I
1: would. Yes, I would.
0: Uh, We talked just briefly about uh, all these immigration policies, these administrative changes coming down the line from the Trump administration, Uh, so much attention on the southern border, Congresswoman DeLauro, Mm -hmm. uh, a very contentious issue being uh, money diverted um, from uh, initiatives and things that could help uh, Connecticut residents towards this idea of a border wall. Can you talk about that?
1: Uh, Certainly, there were were two pieces of it. The last piece of what you mentioned, which we were going to have a substantial fight about, is um, in the appropriations uh, process. I am um, the chair of the Labor, Education, and Health Subcommittee of Appropriations. And uh, the resources in this uh, uh, subcommittee are one-third of the, the programs are one-third of the discretionary dollars that we have, the non-defense dollars uh, that we spend. So it's substantial. It, f- it focuses on a- a every part of, of a, a family's life. Is it education from preschool uh, to um, post-secondary education? Uh, it's all about mental health. Uh, It's about uh, uh, workforce programs, apprenticeship programs, training. It's the National Institutes of Health. It's the Center for Disease Control, long and the short of every aspect, Pell Grants, every aspect of people's lives. Uh, And um, it would appear uh, that what the Senate is going to do, we passed our bill uh, where we um, increased uh, funding in all of these, uh, these areas that I've talked about very, very proud of the bill, uh, including the money for gun violence research, uh, prevention research. Um, the, um, the Senate would appear that they're going to at least short changes of about $5 billion in order to provide uh, funding for a, a medieval concept of a wall which no one supports except the vanity of the President of the United States, and uh, we can't sit around and allow that to happen. That is unacceptable because, in fact, it will mean uh, uh, less Head Start slots for our children, less funding for a Pell Grant uh, to allow a child to go to school. The opportunities for job training will be uh, uh, cur- curtailed, a cutback on mental health services that we have. I, I can't go down the whole list because it's there's the volume of it is, uh, a, and what that would do to shortchange uh, people. It's not programs. It's about the people. Uh, that are served by these these efforts, so it's unacceptable, and we will uh, we will make that fight.
0: Well, what would you say to listeners who are concerned uh, when uh, they hear, or read on the news, uh, see on uh, the cable news networks uh, uh, the amount of undocumented immigrants that are coming into the country, and they're concerned about uh, America again uh, footing the bill uh, to um, help them, despite fleeing violence, fleeing terrible conditions that nobody would mm-hmm. want to live under. Uh, so what? Would be the solution to deal with uh, people who are coming into this country and are looking for some type of status without just com- immediately kicking them out, which is what the Trump administration is looking to do and it has been doing? Well, it's. Um,
1: you've got two very serious issues here. One is overall immigration po- policy and legal immigration and illegal immigration. And we need to have uh, legislation that deals. Uh, with a, a broken uh, immigration system, which we have. Now, you may recall, if you listeners may recall, that in the United States Senate they passed. a a comprehensive immigration legislation several years ago. At the time, sponsored by uh, John McCain, uh, Pat Leahy. Democrats, Republicans came together. It was a strong bill, very tough bill. Uh, And they passed it because they understood that challenge that we have to deal with this system. It was never, ever any piece of it brought up in the House of Representatives for a vote. It was stopped in the House of Representatives by my Republican colleagues. So do we need to, uh, you know, to reform our immigration system without question? And uh, and but we not do not need to make it. It's a serious issue. It is not a political issue, which is what people like some people would like to do is to politicize it. The second part of that is uh, because you mentioned the southern border, and the committee that I uh, that I chair has jurisdiction over what they are called unaccompanied children who come to the United States. Uh, and they come, and they uh, when when they come unaccompanied, uh, they are in the custody of, of, of the, uh, a health and Human Services agency. Uh, health and Human Services is not what Homeland Security is. Homeland Security is an immigration enforcement agency. When the unaccompanied child comes, they come in. T- it's a child welfare system, uh, if you will. The responsibility is to identify a sponsor, a foster home, a, 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 a shelter for this child to be moved to in the shortest possible time. That's where the administration um, really initiated what I called state-sponsored child abuse. That's where they separated families, uh, creating an unbelievable problem. That's where they in- initiated uh, policies which ground the movement of these children from uh, unaccompanied status into a uh, uh, with a sponsor, a foster parent or into a shelter. They ground it to a halt.
0: I don't want to run out of time without asking you a public health issue that has sprung up in, in mm-hmm. recent uh, weeks, and that is uh, vaping. Uh, reports uh, in states, including here in Connecticut, of people um, getting this mysterious respiratory illness. Uh, you're calling for a ban on all e-cigarettes. That's right. Tell us about that. I will. Be in fact,
1: you know, Center for Disease Control and Prevention: six people have died, 450 people fallen ill. 33 states due to e-cigarette use. Connecticut, which you talked about, 11 cases, 7 in Fairfield County, 3 in New Haven County, 1 in New London uh, County. So, And this is the reports, including seizures, are linked to e-cigarettes. Um, and I have a, 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 a press conference this morning uh, uh, uh we're hold to talk about this issue because i have called for a ban on e-cigarettes. uh why, why is that? i have been dealing with this issue for an, uh, a number of months because my committee has jurisdiction over the food and drug administration. and yes, they moved to say they're going to talk about banning flavors. i talked about that last january and have legislation with regard to that. the fact of the matter is the fda is a regulatory agency. we now have indications uh, uh that this product Is causing uh, uh, people to be ill or to die. What has been, they are on the market illegally. Illegally. What we did in 2009 has said that e-cigarettes had to go through something called a pre-market review. That means that their health and safety had to be reviewed before they could come to the market. The FDA sidestepped that. And and so the product is on the market illegally, and until we know whether it is safe or not safe for people and, and not putting them at risk, they should be off the market.
0: Uh, just real quickly, uh, we know that guns in America also a public health issue. Okay. You are pushing to appropriate money for the CDC to research gun violence as a public health issue. Any chance that this could get through the Senate? Just with a couple of minutes left. We're gonna fight to the death to make sure it happens. Uh, again, Congresswoman Rosa Delara, there's a lot uh, to cover uh, uh, with uh, your uh, representation of the 3rd District, what's happening in Washington. Uh, tomorrow you're gonna actually be uh, hosting Speaker Pelosi in Hi. New Haven about mm-hmm. equal pay for equal work. Um, you're someone who is a, a close confidant of of, of Ms. Pelosi and yeah. a longtime friend. Um, you're happy with the, the leadership that she has shown? Strong, tough, understands the issues, uh,
1: strategic, master legislator, uh, and has brought our caucus uh, together and moving forward. We are going to do a policy uh, forum on uh, men and women in the same job, uh, same pay, because we have passed it in the House. It's being held up in the Senate by Mitch McConnell, no reason. Uh, and we had Republican support in the House uh, to pass this. Uh, and so we're working closely together uh, w- with the Speaker uh, to put pressure on the Senate uh, to pass this legislation.
0: And I wanted to ask you a quick question. Adelaide had called in. We didn't have time to go to her. She just wants to know, will you co-sponsor Resolution 763? It's the Energy Innovation and Carbon Dividend Act. Uh, what can you say about that? Well,
1: I'll, I'll tell you, first of all, you know. In it's under all, a minute. In, under, in <laughs> under
0: a minute, I will be very, very happy to look at it. A strong
1: proponent of a, a part of the, you know, the effort on the Green New Deal. Uh, and looking at climate change as being one of the biggest problems that we have today. It's a critical and it's a crisis. I'll take a look at the legislation and uh, make a determination. Happy to do that. Adelaide, thank you.
0: And you said earlier, you know, voting is a a basic right. It's something that we shouldn't take for granted. We just finished up a a primary where you see uh, towns and cities, uh, less than 20 percent voter turnout. What does that say about uh, uh, people's Mm -hmm. trust in, in democracy? Oh, I think it's unfortunate.
1: I really do, because of what it means to cast a vote. You know, I was in South Africa for the election of Nelson Mandela, and I spoke to a young man who had been in line all night long uh, to be able to cast his vote. And I said, why? Why did you do that? And he said to me, if I get to cast my vote and something happens to me when I leave this place, I will have at least voted once will have had the opportunity to vote once in my lifetime. Americans need to understand the preciousness of that vote and how important it is.
0: Congressman Rosa Delaro, thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time to be thank on Where you. We Live. Appreciate it. I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Look forward to talking to you again, Lucy. I'm Lucy nalpeth Today's show produced by Carmen Bascoff. Thanks to Jonathan McNichol, who was our technical producer, and Lydia Brown on the phones. Have a great weekend.